Hello, children. Hello, and welcome back to Train Pop Culture. Your source of all things fun, isn't it lovely? Your host today is me, Johnson. And as always, we have... Strawn. Strawn. Batman. <laughs> yeah, I've got, yeah. Uh, uh, I suppose if... If one of our other cast members has changed the name, might as well make more more than one change. Yeah, that's a and... name. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, the other, the new Strawn sat there thinking, "Oh God, I could have put anything on that marriage certificate. Should have gone with Batman." God damn it! <laughs> yeah, but today, as I say. We're talking about TV. Still part of the Getting to Know You series. We're talking about our TV uh, experiences with it. And, well, it's pretty much part of everyday life, isn't it? So at some point we were going to get down to it. And we start at the very start, when we, we were young children, what we used to enjoy. And having grown up in the 80s and 90s, my experience of ch- children's TV was the most awesome experience it's possible to have, because TV in the because uh, kids TV in the eighties didn't give a crap. It was just like, do you want muscles? Muscles. Do you want guns? Guns. Do you want lasers? Oh, lasers. How do you feel about guitars? Well, it's on everything. A TV in the eighties was brilliant, and as long as you offset it right at the end and you went. Oh, yeah, by the way, here's a moral message for the last 30 seconds. See, we've done our educational quota. Piss off. Now back to the shooting. Yeah, so, and, yeah, so for for me, uh, at least, what with my age, it would have been, it was things like um, uh, Thundercats, Visionaries, all that uh, sort of stuff. And then, of course, getting a bit older, getting into the, getting like, into, like, Beavers and Butthead and... Um, Ren and Stimpy, so that may have coloured my my growing up with some very very interesting things. And I'll just leave you with before we move on to someone else's experience, the three greatest words that shaped my childhood: eighties animated theme tunes. That is why I grew up awesome. And he's he's so desperately modest about it as well. <laughs> um. For me, like, you watched a lot of TV as a kid. I think the things that I was most drawn to were I I watched a lot of Looney Tunes, a lot of Looney Tunes. My dad was a big Looney Tunes fan. Um, So I was big into Looney Tunes. All of those, like, shorts were just fucking fantastic. You know, if you're going to learn about opera, why not learn it through the medium of Bugs Bunny? Fuck, yeah, come on. Um, and also The Crystal Maze. I watched a lot of The Crystal Maze as a kid and was absolutely fascinated. And I think it has a lot to do with my love for puzzle games as an adult. I think I got hardwired as a kid and then ended up just falling in love with puzzles as an adult. My kid was my childhood TV was very much just cartoons and Crystal Maze and being very confused about where mummy was. In Crystal Maze, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, it was just like, it, uh, this is a part of your childhood we didn't experience. <laughs> what? 
Now, Crystal Maze for me is always, of course, I do have to stipulate, it's Richard O'Brien in Crystal Maze. Ed couldn't just get to fuck in the sea. Uh, Crystal Maze is Richard O'Brien. Any other forms of Crystal Maze do not count. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with Johnson here. It was 80s cartoons all the way. Um, the soundtracks are always fucking mind-blowing. Uh, so much so that I still listen to most of the soundtracks to this day. So for me... Childhood TV was Transformers. And to this day, my other dad is still Optimus Prime. And when he died in the cartoon movie, I still cry. And that's 30 years ago. <laughs> too soon. Far too soon. Apart from that, the other one was Dragon Ball Z. Which was released in the 90s, early 90s. But it took until the end of the fucking... It took until the early notice to find out what the fuck happened in the end of it. Because every battle went on for fucking six months. Yeah. Transformers, Dragon Ball Z. Did you ever watch Dragon Ball, the series they brought out after, which was a prequel? It was brought out, well, it was brought out at about the same... just at the same time, but it was a prequel. Yeah, yeah. And then I watched yeah. um, Dragon Ball GT as well, which is the unofficial sequel um and then super recently which i've binge watched but yeah dragon ball z hi guys so um i i grew up in a weird time where japan thought let's show all the western kids our great shows and maybe they'll like them so in the most shocking revelation of 2020 Pokemon. Pokemon's number one. I still cry at Bye Bye Butterfree. That, that is how you fuck up a child for life. You watch the Butterfree arc. Um, but I also watched like Sailor Moon and a bit of Dragon Ball and stuff like that. But my favourite, favourite, favourite show as a kid even above Pokemon, was Keenan and Cal. I almost introed as Puff, as Patty the Power Pixie. <gasps> the show is perfect. There is nothing wrong with that show. Orange Soda is infinitely quotable. And if anyone ever get to ask you who put the screw in the tuna, you know who did it. You know. The Amanda show was also cool, and Sabrina, the, the old Sabrina, new Sabrina is better than old Sabrina, but that's a different conversation. Agreed. Yeah. Keenan and Cal, Pokemon. Does anyone else remember Fox Kids from the early 90s? Very Isabel. Very yeah. Fox, Fox Kids had Sailor Moon, the all the original like Marvel cartoon TV shows, so like the Hulk, X Men, uh, Iron Man, and it was just great TV. Silver Surfer, the Silver Surfer TV show. Why did Silver Surfer randomly get a TV show? I, I'm not quite sure, but he did, and it was okay. I just wanted to add that in. Whoever's next can talk now. 
you, speaking of the Japanese cartoons coming over, do ever, any of you remember Tenchi Moyo? Who? Tenchi Moyo. Very vague. Like the it name on, is. Yeah, it? it was on after Dragon Ball Z most times, and it was just about some random guy who lived like with four other women. So and it was that a little fly. It was a for children. Yeah. Did yeah. they just cut out all the explicit, stu- explicit stuff from Japan and thought this would be great for kids? <laughs> um, one was like a little girl. One was a demon. One was someone who created weird little creatures and things, I think. And the one was just some blonde, ditzy girl that like questioned everything. Yeah, it was a very, very weird show. It explains a lot why I'm so fucked up as a t- like an adult now, because it's just like it made no sense. And they had a dog rabbit thing that could transform into a jet. Yeah, of course. Because yeah, Japan, why, why not? Why not? Yeah, it was the same with the Sailor Moon, though, as in the, the, slight ed, the slight voiceover edits to change parts of the story. Like, two of the characters in Sailor Moon in Japan were actually um, lovers, they're gay lovers. But they changed them to be cousins because America couldn't handle homosexuality in any form. Apparently, kids wouldn't understand, you know, love between two people. So they changed. But the change to make them cousins actually made the show even creepier because they only changed the names, not the lines. So instead of saying my partner, they'd say my cousin and so on. But lines like stuff like um, we're you know, stuff like, this is why we're so close, or I can't imagine being without you, or do you fancy nipping out later? Like, cousins shouldn't be talking like, you shouldn't want to bang. Why are you talking like this? Uh, You know, depends where in America you're from, mate. Yeah, good point. Depends where in America you come from. So if we're going from where it all began, let's sidle our way to our favourite TV shows ever. Um, mine kind of, when I had a bit of a think about it, I realised that they're quite closely related, um, in very different ways though. Uh, but the thing that I love more than ever, and I've probably watched repeatedly more than anything else at all, is Columbo. I fucking love Columbo. I've always loved Columbo. I've watched every single episode of Columbo, including the pilot, about a billion times. I bought my ex the box sets that came in like a, it looked like a cigar box. It was a special edition release. And we just basically would drink beer and watch Columbo on repeat for like three years. And that's all I watched for about three years. And it's fucking incredible. And Peter Falk is just awesome. And he's a very different animal in the pilot than he is in the show proper when it actually gets picked up. He, he's very intense and very sharp, very, I don't know, just uh, in the pilot. And then he becomes like this soft, bumbling, ah, one more thing kind of guy for the show proper. But Columbo's fucking extraordinary. And I don't know how many other people would say it's their favourite TV show ever, but I stand by it as a solid fucking choice. I'm in the same sort of area, but for very different reasons. Luther. Luther is a fucking extraordinary TV series. 
Idris Elba is just all of the yes in every capacity. The writing is brilliant. Alice is so disturbing and yet completely fascinating. And you can't help but be a little bit in love with her, even though she's a fucking psychopath. It got to the point where I had like this weird temporal hat conspiracy theory that she was only in um, odd numbered seasons. And technically I'm right, but I know that it's just completely coincidental. But I'd get so excited every time a trailer would drop for the next season. And I, I don't think there'll be any more, which will be a shame. But Luther's incredible. It's, it's just a perfect TV series. It's just so fucking good. Kimbo. They've confirmed a movie, bruh. Being serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy Idris. shit! Why? Season five's ending was awful. It That killed it for me. The series itself, 100% agree with that. That Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Then series five happened, and it can get in the sea. I don't want the movie, unless they backtrack. Well, the plan's obviously going to introduce time travel in the movie because that's the next logical <laughs> step. Well, it, it, the film, would that technically be film one and therefore odd and therefore I get Alice? Or would it be like six but longer and therefore even and therefore by my tinfoil hat standards, I don't get Alice? And technically, if you go by the end of right, guys listening at home, I'm sorry, but if you've not watched Luther at this point, spoilers but it's been out for, like, ever, so just deal with it. Um, but by the end of season five, we are, like, out of Alice. We have, Alice is now a tatty bye. Um, so, strictly speaking, we shouldn't get her again. But, you know, she's died more than once in that series between seasons one and five, so it's not completely implausible that she somehow managed to survive, but... I'd, I'd watch the film. I'd watch that shit all day long just to see what they fucking do with it. But yeah, like, my favourite ever. Like, something I would happily go back and watch over and over and over again, I think, was my standard for what my favourite TV shows. Like, there's been stuff that I've thought is extraordinary. But have I gone back and rewatched it? Not necessarily. Have I gone back and rewatched it that many times? No. So I've gone with Luther and Columbo. Just back to Luther before we move on to Straw and Mail. I believe they've confirmed the actress who plays Alice is in it, but they could always like cop out and just have her playing like a ghost of his memories in the background. You know what I mean? Could also be like flashbacks. Yeah, but they've got ways of having her in the film without having her be a character. But I don't understand why you'd make a film when she's not a character. I don't understand what story you tell without Alice that kind of wraps Luther up in a nice neat bow. I'd like them to go more into because there's a period where he's by the coast somewhere that you see little flashbacks to in one of the latest series but it doesn't go into detail because you know that he's at a point where he's debating running away with her and then she disappears. There's this period where they're sort of maybe getting together a bit more than they ever have before. It'd be nice if they kind of, I think they probably will put more of that in. Like I think to know how he ended up, where he ended up at the end of season five, 
and if that's canon and they're not going to backtrack from it and she's definitely gone I think there's going to be a lot of reflecting on where they could have been and where they ended up um I think for me greatest of all time for me personally given my line of work could only be one tv series and that's cheers it's just when you've worked at a pub for any amount of time you'll find cheers absolutely hilarious and so relatable same with early doors anything that's set in a pub you just you sort of vibe with but cheers for the characters and the comedy that's in it um norm cliff coach some of the fucking one-liners they come out with it's when they ask norm every day comes into the pub like norm how's life and he'll come out with something like oh well life's a dog and i'm wearing milk bone underwear or something like something dead stupid to that effect and coach like coach was a character because and this isn't me like slagging anyone off here they had to put coaching as a character to explain the jokes to the people who watch the show in case they didn't get them. They didn't believe that part of the audience would get the jokes, so that's put coaching as a sort of dimmer member of the cast. But yeah, cheers all the way. Just before it moved on, I talked about Norm. I think one of my favourite parts for him in Cheers is where he really wants to be part of a barbershop quartet tries out, gets offered the job to replace the guy in the barbershop quartet that's dropped out and then goes, no, it's okay. And they're like, what? But it was your dream to be in part of a barbershop quartet. And he's like, yeah, and I've done it. I'm, I'm good now. Thanks. And that's it. Like, he's just like, he's tried out for it. He got accepted. And he's like, going back for my beer. It's just very, very norm and just sums him up completely. It's when he gets locked in the pub overnight and they say like, and he's there like, oh, no, you've left me in here. Wait, I'm locked in the pub overnight. <laughs> and he just sits down, pours himself a beer, and just sits there all night. And this is some of the, like, it's just, it, 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 yeah, perfect. It, the kittens as well, where she's trying to sell off the kittens. And, like, if you buy a beer for, like, is it like if you buy a beer for a dollar, you get a kitten, and he ends up leaving with, like, 18 kittens. Something fucking stupid, but he's just—it's just Norm at the end of the night, just covered in fucking cats. It's yeah, brilliant, solid choice. Uh, I do like some of the um, insults in it though. With um, uh, what's her face, Danny DeVito's missus. Um, there's a bit where uh, oh, I can't remember half the name, so I'm just going to go with actresses and so on. You know, uh, the woman that was going to be Fraser's missus, but she left him at the altar. No, yeah, she says, where's, is it Diane? Yeah, Diane. There she goes, yeah. yeah, they go, uh, where's Diane? And DeVito's missus go, in the office. Oh, and what about the trash? And she goes, I already told you, she's in the office. It's just those quick insults that she just comes out with just the whole, absolutely brilliant, brutal comedy where she just goes, that one line and just walks off to do her barmaid job. As you named a lot of other program set in a club. I was a little bit gutted you didn't name two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. So I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive you. And now I'm moving on. And That's be- Oh, I can explain that. It's because he was talking about good TV shows. How very dare you. Will Mallor is a god. And Ralph Little. <laughs> yes. 
I will have no bad words said. Um, for myself, I'd like to, again, take you down branching pathways. My favourite, 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 favourite ever TV show is Scrubs excluding the seasons after JD and Turk and all those guys leave. Up to that point, Scrubs is perfect. Sarah Chalk is a beautiful woman. Elliot, Elliot will be my teenage crush forever. Um, Eagle is still hilarious. The musical episode... I hate musical episodes and TV shows because they feel shoehorned in. And the Arrowverse, you are guilty of this. And this is why you never make the list. Because you are guilty of the musical episodes. Or because you've got people who can sing doesn't mean you need a musical episode. But the, the Scrubs ones are excellent. The Scrubs ones are perfect. Um, Strawn Males apparently got a point, so I'll go into my second show after he's made it. To be fair, dude, the Flash is sung in those episodes. That is beautiful. But why am I having a musical episode in a superhero TV show? It doesn't feel natural. Because why not? Did you did you have an argument with the Buffy episode? I don't like that. Buffy. Makes sense. They got them. They got the mustard out. <laughs> the Buffy. I mean, that was a very very niche. Re- that's a very very niche reference, unless you know the show. Yeah. Who is? Uh, the Buffy episode made sense, though. It was a demon that possesses people and burns their souls to death through the medium of song. And also, if you watch that season back and it goes previously on Buffy, it plays the previous episode and then you've got the musical episode. And then the next episode after the musical episode, it goes previously on Buffy and plays the previously from the show before the musical episode. It's as if the because of the the theme of the show was like, and we'll pretend this didn't happen. It was it was meant to be a standalone episode and the way the demon worked made the fact that it was a musical episode work. And also when you've got Anthony Stewart Head, who has been a phenomenal musical kind of stage performer, why the fuck would you not have him bellow something out? I mean, guys, the guy was Frankenfurter. Let him sing. But outside of Buffy... And the Scrubs episodes. I'm with Kimbo. If you want musical episodes, make a musical TV show. They don't do very well, but, you know, make it that way. Don't make my Flash sing. Please and thank you. Moving on, very swiftly. This one might be affected very slightly by recency bias. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that. However... Killing Eve is fantastic. I love that show. I could go back and watch that show in a day and be so happy. It's so well done, so well acted. Jodie Connor, Corner, however you say her surname, I'm sorry, Jodie, plays Villanelle to perfection. She's now getting roles based off Villanelle. I'm like, I don't want to see her in anything else because for now onward, she is Villanelle. It, she is defined by that role because she's. Perfect in it. And I don't know if anyone else in this podcast has actually seen this show. So this might be uh, me just going, everyone should watch it. But 100%, please watch Killing Eve. It's like two or three seasons long. It's not even like a massive time sink. And they're not, there's not many episodes per season. And you just fall in love with a serial killer. And 
isn't that something? I've got too many serial killer loves at the moment. I don't think I've got room to love another one. Killing this Eve is on joke. my watch list. Like, I'm absolutely watching Killing Eve. It looks incredible. It's on my to-do list. Yeah, definitely knock it off that to-do list. And Johnson, this serial killer's got jokes. How many serial killers have jokes? Most of them are like, boo-hoo, tragic block pack story. I don't care. I want jokes. <laughs> oh, Just before oh. we go to you, Johnson, three things, came, three quotes came to my mind from Scrubs, and I've got to share them because you'll all know them. Not three quotes, three bits, and you'll all remember them. One, knife wrench. <laughs> Fucking yeah. brilliant. Knife wrench <laughs> for kids. Yeah, knife wrench. <laughs> Two, why is there a pancake in the cutlery drawer? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, why, what do you mean, why is there silverware in the pancake drawer? <laughs> <laughs> and the last bit, it's still to this day one of the most heartbreaking moments of anything I've ever watched. It's the bit where he's leaving the last ever episode and he walks down the corridor and it's all the projections and the people that he's met and that have died in the in the hospital. Those are the three most memorable moments for me. I can't believe you've not mentioned the one that always comes to me, and that's he can dance if he wants to. He can leave those friends behind. Because his friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, then they're no friends of mine. S S S S A A A A F F F F. I I do love safety dance into a legitimate response to his partner about their child's upbringing. Like golf that fucking yes. My one of my favourite bits is when the um go when um the four girls wait oh stop start again. You know when they get um, what's her face coming in? She's all happy and joking. And she's she has a literal skip in her step, and they the, they decide the girls decide to take her out for drinks. And it's the bit where Doctor Cox walks into them in the morning and goes, "And here, kids, we have the four stages of life in at Hangover. We've got the twenties, and the girl just goes, "Hello, and we've got the thirties." She's like, "Oh, we've got the forties." She's practically in a coma and he's just waving in front of her face because she's just sat there bolt upright but nothing going on just like we could do anything to her right now <laughs> yeah dr i love dr cox just because i, I it's just it, he's just how people should be he cares but doesn't want bo- bollocks just like when that guy comes up with a spurious theory and he just goes wrong 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 Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Cox is possibly one of the best written characters in that whole season. But the whole, like, series, rather. And he's just so cutting and so quick and so funny that when he's devastated because he loses that patient, your heart breaks so much harder. Like, he's so well used and the actor is so fucking incredible. Cox... It's like it's the the cast generally like what uh, JD and that that posse Scrubs is always just going to be the only Scrubs I know. But Cox is like the fucking core, like the foundation that brings it all together. No Cox, and I don't think you quite get the payoff with some of the jokes that you get. I think he's 
he's so important to it and gets a little bit overlooked now and again, I think. He's just so fucking cool. And I will never not cry when he's fucking devastated and depressed and JD has to mm. help him. It's fucking heartbreaking. Two final points on Scrubs before this becomes a Scrubs podcast. <laughs> I think why Scrubs does so well is because you've got you've got your your happy preppy guys. You've got Carl, you've got Turk, you've got JD, you've got uh, Elliot, and they've got their own like happy we're doctors lives. And then you've got Kelso, the janitor, and Cox, who are just there like, no, 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 wrong, 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 all the time. And it's that counter style that kind of elevates it above other sitcoms for me. Because I feel like when you watch a sitcom, a lot of the characters kind of fall into, we're niche and so similar, look at us, because we all get along. Friends! Big Bang Theory! <clears throat> um. However, the other Scrubs-related point I wanted to make were my most memorable moments. Um, one is the cutest moment I think I've ever seen on TV, which is there's a wedding on a beach. I can't even fucking remember who gets married. But uh, the barbershop quartet sing uh, Outcasts Hey Ya in their style. With uh, Uke, and it's just so beautiful. Like, I want to, I keep trying to, like, tell my partner, this is what we're walking down the aisle to. And she's like, no, we're not walking down the aisle to a ukulele version of Hey Ya. So apparently that isn't happening. <laughs> yes, I think, uh, weirdly, I, th- I think it might actually happen. Just give me five minutes with the um, CD player. Uh, the other, the other most memorable moment in Scrubs for me is uh, in the musical episode. As it happens, the best TV song ever written: "Guy Love Between Two Guys." I know I can still sing it in my head. I'm not going to ruin your eardrums, but it's in there. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's me on Scrubs done. Yeah, I I think I'm with you all on Scrubs, and he's right. Before this gets to a, a Scrubs loving, I think it's my turn. And my two, and I know, and I know we agreed on two, but I've got three. And I haven't. I've only got two. I just needed to see Kimbo's face. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I just needed to see that. Just Kimbo, if you you obviously can't see, but Kimbo was halfway through taking a swig of his drink, and he just did that thing that you see on TV. He just lowered it down and glared into the camera, and just like, oh, that's the look I needed. Genuinely, only do have the two. Uh, first one is um... <laughs> oh, gonna have to cut this bit out. Kimbo's just flipped me off, so I'm laughing too much. Give me a sec. (coughs) Professional. I'm a professional. Well, I don't get paid, so I'm not, but... Right. (coughs) Yeah, my first one is... is something that uh, you will hear um, in certain clubs in throughout the world, which is I Love Bottom. I absolutely do. Bottom, for me is for me the 
the funniest show I think that's ever existed. Personally, there is, I I was watching it as a kid. My dad loved it, and I watched it. I so I know I shouldn't because when the video VHSs came out in the nineties, they were all they were usually fifteens and eighteens, and I was watching them when I was and I was like um, sort of twelve or whatever, and it was. I went to see see the live show, uh, one of the live shows as well, and it was just. I think it was one of the best theatre experiences I've ever had because it was because everyone there was a massive fan. Everyone knew all the stuff, and you knew that there'd there'd be fuck ups, and you knew that they'd play off them so well, and audience would shout stuff out. And, you know, that there would be inevitably be the have a wank call from the back. And it's just how they'd react to that. But for me, Bottom is a lot cleverer than a lot of people give it credit for as well. There is a lot of excellent literary references that will just fly over some people's heads. But they're in there because and you just know that they're in there because either Rick or Aid thought they were funny. And so they're like, I'm writing this joke and we're putting it in the show. But. Some people won't get it. It's like I don't care. I'm laughing. Fair enough. And for me, it was it's it was just the peak of sort of comedy. Of I had it all of them on VHS, and then VHS became obsolete, so I've got them all on DVD. Uh, DVDs have become obsolete, so I've now got them on Netflix. <laughs> so, uh, but I can quote every episode front to back. And one, me and my mate, uh, me and one of my mates. Uh, such big fans that we can literally turn to it just there's a normal conversation going and there'll be even the slightest hint of a bottom reference as in someone will said something that's similar and we'll just go off on one or we'll just know i mean so much so that there was a time once when um a mate of mine spotted a spelling mistake somewhere uh, that mate and he said what is it ask other people what's this and they're like I, I don't get it and he just turned to me and went what's this and we just quoted the um mess the blooper for me it was just like i knew you'd get it sorry kimbo no problem mate i just had a funny it's not even that funny <laughs> i had a lot of story to tell uh bottom is the first time i ever got told off by my mum because of bottom me and me and my brother cameron hi cameron if you're listening which you're not because you don't support me in any way shape or form uh, me and Cameron were in the living room. We were seven and eight, or six and seven, around that age at the time. And do you remember the episode where I think they go camping? And bottoms out, yeah. And one of them offers the other one a hobnob, and they go hobnob. I'd rather sit my bollocks in a beehive. <laughs> well, and it's it's not. Oh, the quote's just so wrong. I've got to correct you on it, but. You are right. It is. Uh, I'd rather stick my balls in a beehive. But... but so Cameron asked me something randomly. I don't even remember what it was. And I went, Bubba, I'd rather stick my bollocks in a beehive right in front of my mum. Who disciplined me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know the bit you're on. Yeah, it's saying that and he got. Oh, but I can imagine in a a household like that, you suddenly, tur- seemingly out of nowhere, just turned around and did that. I can, yeah, I can imagine 
yeah, justice was swift, I imagine. But yeah, I, I, I can't, exp- I suppose, growing up on it as well, and me, me dad loving it. So there's a, a, you know, there's a, such a, a connection there as well, you know, the dad and the son loving the same thing and watching TV. And then, of course, when the live shows came, he took me to see the live show as well because he wanted to go and he knew and me mum there's no way on earth my mum was going to go see it with him <laughs> and he's not going on his Todd so it's just like Alex loves it so he's coming with but yeah I absolutely adore it and I, 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 I can't I genuinely you can hear in my voice I genuinely can't explain just how it always has me in tears but the, the TV show is fucking brilliant the live stuff that i've seen just rick mail is something spe- well he was like you re you re-watch live bottom shows and just the constant kind of inability to have remembered his lines like he's clearly not learned his lines and age just like well and just rides him about it so hard and he fucks up constantly and just has to style it out, but he's not always quick enough to think of a the response or get himself back on track. And it's just it's funny watching him fuck up because Aid does nothing to help him, and Rick then just flounders for ages, and then suddenly they're back on track, and he's just like "fuck you" to the audience, and it's just it's very awesome. Like you watch it back, and it it makes me a bit sad because he's not here anymore. And that was just mm. fucking extraordinary. He was such a fucking funny talented human being and bottom was brilliant another solid boy yeah uh, rick mail's death is pretty is is the only celebrity i've ever actually cried at the death and i heard about the news because he's obviously such a big part of growing up and i've loved pretty much anything he's ever done but yeah i know what you're on about with the live shows because with the live show that and just randomly coming out it was like at one point it, it fucked up so much people are laughing and he then remembers his line he's trying to get back on track but the audience are laughing too much and aids giving him shit and he just and the audience are laughing at what um aid edmondson's just done and he goes Shh. And he's like oh shut up pretend you're watching ben elton or something <laughs> just out of nowhere just starts insulting others as well there's one where the door slams and the door doesn't mm. slam properly and he goes listen here you little shit I'm Rick fucking Mail. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're just a, a door. <laughs> yeah. You're just a door. I'm Rick fucking Mail. <laughs> and then he carries on and then he fucks up again. And he goes, right. Does whatever. And Hayd Edmondson goes, oh, there's a storyline this time, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, or when they ride the props, people. I love that about the live shows as well. He goes, one of the time, I think it's, it's bottom line two when he's uh, they're reading through his uh, aides um granddad's um old war diary and he picks it he picks it up and he goes uh, pick it up and Aid goes oh that's a bit convenient it's like yeah it wasn't there fucking last night <laughs> oh yeah uh, on to moving on to me second choice before i just make this podcast about bottom is my second choice and it's it's quite underrated over here. I think I, there's not when I, I talk to people about it. There's not ma- that many people who know it too well, and that's it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That show to me is again it's it's so 
it's so cleverly done, and what a lot of the time people don't realise, it's just one hundred percent satire. It, the, everything they do is to take the piss. They take the piss out of everyone. Like they've been accused of blackface at, at one point, and went, "No, did you not watch the episode? They are, were literally taking the piss out of people who do blackface. It was a complete mockery to point out how stupid it is." And people are going, "Oh, is that, no, no, you clearly didn't watch this episode then, because they were taking the piss. They literally, t- the, and everything about it is just them satirizing and." Uh, everything and it's so br- for me it's so clever and so brilliantly written as well because everyone involved is an absolute arsehole in their own unique way uh dennis is clearly uh, a serial killer um and in fact there's several episodes where they think he's done it um d is just one of these wannabe celebrities she's never made it because she's not talented but she keeps coming up with these incredibly racist characters to try and sort of get her name known. But of course, she hasn't got the talent to back it up, so it just comes across as this massive racist girl. And again, it's that thing. She's not taking the piss out of the race that she's impersonating. She's taking the piss out of talentless people that try and do shock comedy. That's the point. She's take, They're taking the piss. And Char- Charlie... Uh, Charlie- Kelly, or played by Charlie Day, so original because that's basically just him. It's, it's just an extreme version of him, and I, I I can't describe just how how much I love it. And they do do several um, musical episodes, Kimbo, but they're there to take they're there agreeing basically agreeing with you. They're taking the piss. Like there's uh, one musical episode where they get. Um, transfer uh, they they get transferred into the but they get transferred into the bodies of black people now they don't black up they literally hire black actors and then dub over but they do a musical version to take the piss out of that kind of body swap sort of thing just to point out how stupid that sort of idea is but there is a musical musical throughout it but the music and songs throughout it are horrendous. Not as in, but they're brilliantly written because Charlie Day is an excellent musician. But they're just about stupid stuff, and they're pointing out how musical episodes are ridiculous, and they they don't make sense. So they decided to make a musical episode that didn't make sense because this show doesn't do supernatural stuff or anything like that. It's just several people who own a bar that's a dive bar but they rarely do any bar business because they're too busy doing get-rich-quick schemes that, of course, never work. And uh, they, and so they, so they basically did, well, a musical episode is stupid. Look how stupid it is. So they put, an, it's, yeah. But it's, it, it's got something for, I think it's got something for everyone because each, like Kimbo was saying with Scrubs, each, it's not, they're not, together because they're all the same kind of oh we've got this one niche to, like you know like um <clears throat> certain scientifically inaccurate science comedies that i will not bring myself to say the name of and give them publicity but you know the one i'm talking about uh they each person is different and they're together because they are hor- the only linking things they're all horrible people and they're the only people that would have them that's why they're friends. 
unlike unlike and it also sort of is was a riling against things like they um glenn howerton and uh mckellany wrote it as a essentially as a piss take of things like seinfeld and friends and all that shit, you know that all group of people get into wacky scrapes sort of comedy so they decided okay group of people get into wacky scrapes but the reason they get into wacky scrapes is because they're disgusting human beings and you don't want them to succeed and the fun is watching them just flail and do these horrendous things knowing full well a it'll never work and b that their comeuppance will come and I think it's probably one of the best things that Danny DeVito has ever done as well. Danny DeVito as Frank Reynolds was a masterstroke. Just, you know how Danny DeVito always plays that sort of rogue, sort of um, little bit woo, little bit way, con man type. Now ramp that up a hundredfold and add drugs into the mix. And you've got Frank Reynolds who's, who made his money? Uh, it, it was a mil- the, br- the brilliant thing is they give a reason why they can keep doing all this thing. It's because Frank Reynolds is a uh, is a multimillionaire because he used to own uh, a big company, and he decided to quit, take all, basically quit, take all his money, and live with and live with these people because he thought, fuck it, I've done I've done the business thing, I've done the family thing. I want to spend the last years of my life doing whatever the fuck I want. But yeah. Go check it out. You will laugh until you cry. There's, and then when you try and describe why you're laughing to people, you look like a horrendous human being. For instance, one of the funniest things I've seen in that show, and it literally, every time, it doesn't matter how many times I see it, I've seen it a hundred times, it still has me crying with laughter, is when Mac and Charlie kick the shit out of five kids. And I'm not talking pushes them over. I'm talking about full-on beating them unconscious. And it has me in tears because of how they've done it, the lead-up to it, the reasons they do it. And the fu- but then you tell people, oh, what's, what's so funny about this show? Oh, two of these, two of these people that own a bar kick the shit out of some kids. So, and that's funny to you. Y- yeah, you've got to see it. It's stuff like that, and you try and describe some of the scenes and why they're funny you know it's like the joke and you're like that's horrendous ah yeah you kind of got to watch it yeah it does sound horrible doesn't it <laughs> and i think that's one of the things that's so brilliant about it is that it's just it's just these group of people being awful there is literally no redeeming quality about any of them and you love them all i think that's one of the the beautiful things about that show like that even frank when he plays Russian roulette in the basements with all the Vietnamese guys. It's just that summed up the entire show for me. See what I mean? See what I, yeah. see what I mean? What did you find funny? Frank Reynolds essentially reenacts Deer Hunter and you're laughing. Yeah. See what I mean? You try and describe it. Frank Reynolds gets a loaded gun, plays Russian roulette with actual Vietnamese people. And yeah, it is funny. That's what I mean. Moving on to what we consider to be our favourite genres of television now. Um, for me, two favourite genres are anything documentary-based, which is involving mysteries like ancient aliens or whatever the fuck is on uh, History Channel, and things like comic book men that is now been cancelled years ago. But yeah, that's sort of like 
hyper hmm, hyper exaggerated sort of television in the documentary format. Ancient Aliens is in no way, shape or form to be taken seriously. Unless you're me. Neither is the History Channel. History is in inverted commas there. Well, the History Channel can do what they want because everything is now history. But yeah, um, Comic Book Man, Ancient Aliens, Monster Quest, The Unexplained with William Shatner, all that random shit that History Channel puts on. Obviously, Comic Book Man is on in America and on Prime if you've got it. But yeah, that sort of weird, hyper-exaggerated history in quotation marks. Yeah, it's me out. Time for actual interesting stuff. My favourite genre is a very select sub-genre of cooking shows. I may have slid that. I'll start again. So, my favourite genre is a very select sub-genre of cooking shows. I don't like, like, Master Chef or Ready Steady Cook when they just get random people in off the street. I don't want that shit. Fuck that off. I want chefs who are not that good trying to become good chefs and earn a lot of money, possibly from Gordon Ramsay and or another celebrity chef. Tom Caliccio will suffice. Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Top Chef. Fucking love it. I will sit there and watch it. Million, million Pound Menu, I think it is now. Both series are on Netflix. Great. I love these kind of shows where people are just like, so what I'm going to make now is just a lot of fucking duck. I'm like, yeah, give me duck. Um, my other favourite genre, which will come as a shock to zero folk, superhero TV shows. And I know I just sat here and slammed the Arrowverse. I know I did it. I should feel guilty, but I don't because... The musical episodes have to stop. I know you're. I know you're listening. Someone on the Arrowverse. I don't care which one of you's listening. Stop. I pray. Please stop. I will forgive you for breaking Oliver and Felicity up two million times if you just stop the musicals. But also, like Marvel's doing good TV now, apart from the Netflix shows, which were a bit. Hit and miss, but Agents of Shield's actually pretty good, and no one gives it a chance. Agent Carter was excellent, and now they've got all these Netflix, uh, not Netflix, Disney Plus exclusives coming that I'm excited about. Um, especially the one with uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon. The Bucky and Falcon show is going to be incredible. The What If show is going to be incredible. Uh. We're getting a Miss Marvel show. We're getting a She-Hulk show. So we're not doing a we're not doing a section on shows we're looking forward to. But if we were, all of these shows would be in there. Literally anything Marvel is doing would be my what I'm looking forward to. Superhero TV is excellent. This also goes for animated superhero TV. The Spider-Man cartoon kids cartoon is also perfect. And on the adult side, the Harley Quinn cartoon. Banging. Just absolutely banging. Possibly the best modern 
take on a cartoon character on a superhero in cartoon form on TV because otherwise into the Spider-Verse friends. That was possibly an overly elongated explanation. I'm handing off now. <laughs> I like that. The very structure of your sentence broke down and just went, I'll give up. Next. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, considering what my all-time favourite shows are, you'll not be surprised. My fa- first favourite category is comedy. Specifically for me, it has to be sort of British. Either it's either British comedy, or it's dark humour. As I, I, abs, it's a bit of a cliche, I know, to, to, um, for a nihilist to not like upbeat comedy, but <laughs> I can't stand that kind of comedy where the, uh, where the, where everything's sort of all right and people just sort of go about and it's just like, well, where's the humour in normal life? sort of thing you know like i get a lot of shit off certain people because i'm like friends for me isn't that funny i i and if you actually break down some of the characters they every people are meant to like these characters but if you actually break it down a lot of them are actually horrible people i mean like ross is one of the worst most manipulative you know nice guys ever no, anyway, I'm getting off onto slagging things. No, let's talk about lovely things. No, British comedy. absolutely love uh, British comedy. I think if you see my DVD wall, the TV section literally goes pretty much it's everything. And if it's not British comedy, then it is sort of the, the darker humour, like um, It's Always Sunny or Rick and Morty or something. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I know liking Rick and Morty is a bit dodgy now, but fuck it, the TV show is still funny just because the creators are nonce. But uh, you can cut that bit out because I don't think it's ever been proven. <laughs> but, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. But yeah, uh, that is... And I, I do yeah, I do like dark humour, a, a lot, very dark humour. And my other one... And it sort of goes, oh, that's, yeah, it sort of goes hand in hand with dark comedy. It's true crime, it's, it's sort of serial killers, uh, murder files, and so on. Abs- me and the wife are absolutely addicted to watching that sort of stuff. If you look at our Sky Planner, there's only two things on there. That's, that's actually three. Bake Off is one, but it, uh, true crime or comedy series. That's pretty much the only thing we've got on there. Occasionally, there's a few other things, but yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm really fascinated by sort of true, you know, by serial killers and so on because it fascinates me how a person can get to that point, or how a person a person can think like that or act like that. So I'm really intrigued. And for me and the wife, we. If a you know we'll watch a document a, ser- a serial killer documentary, the documentary will be an hour, hour and a half, and it takes us nearly three hours to watch it because we'll pause it so much and have long discussions about what's happening. And I go, oh yeah, crap, we we're meant to be watching this, right? Yeah, that's me. Comedy and comedy and serial killers. Uh, for me, Kimba, you're going to be so proud. Not only have I stayed on spec, but I've done a twofer. Um. Reflecting on my like TV loves, the stuff that I 
enjoy the most, that I seek out the most, that I rewatch, that I get heavily involved in. It's sort of like crime and mystery. And sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other, and sometimes it's a combination of the two. But like the the things I've enjoyed watching the most have been things like Columbo and Luther and Sherlock and Jonathan Creek and Hannibal and true crime documentaries and conspiracy theory stuff and like it's the mystery slash crime stuff that gets me hooked every time because it's not necessarily the most original favorite genre choice anybody's ever made ever but there's there's something really engaging about like whether it's true crime or kind of um documentaries on weird things that have happened and haven't been explained that sort of gets your brain ticking like and and uh, miscarriages of justice there's a lot of tv series about kind of people that have been put away for stuff that they just haven't done and how it gets slowly unpicked and the kind of the way that they're trying to get these people out and how they're proving that it wasn't them to like going on the more fictional side of thing like i i really enjoyed bbc sherlock i know it's not everybody's cup of tea i really enjoyed it jonathan creek i still think is fucking extraordinary and it's got that kind of british police tv show vibe to it but it's actually a magician solving crimes which is sort of fun um and it was like the the series that had rick mail in as a detective was extraordinary and and Hannibal, like Hannibal's been fucking incredible. Like it's, I'm into like the later part of season two at the minute, and I'm vibing a little bit less because I'm not necessarily happy with the way something's going with Will. Um, but Hannibal's been fucking extraordinary. So if it's got a criminal or somebody with either a criminal mind or the mind of being able to solve a crime. Those kind of vibes, and you can pretty much guarantee I'm watching it. Moving on to what I think, on a different subject, Guilty Pleasures, perfect for me, as I'm sure you'll all agree. My Guilty Pleasures uh, are musical talent shows. I know I've sat here berating musical TV this whole damn podcast. However... I nothing fills me with more joy than seeing some skanky asshole come on a stage, fucking sing a Whitney Houston song so badly it makes me cry on the inside, and Simon Cowell applaud her. Nothing fills me with more joy. It's perfect. It's always going to be perfect, and. <laughs> You do realise that shows like that are actually the downgrade in human evolution. They are the reason society is being destroyed. That there is nothing of worth to those shows whatsoever. They are actually harming civilization. You realise that, right? That's why they're guilty. Guilty. Johnson. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, and it runs the range from X Factor, The Voice. The Voice is great. I love The Voice. And then there was a rap one on uh, on Netflix. I watched that. That was good. Cardi B was on it. And Snoop Dogg did an episode. 
It was lovely. It's a great time. Um, my other guilty pleasure is kind of lad comedy. I really love a good lad comedy. I'm talking like you're in between us. I'm talking your two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Like, just bants lad comedy. Completed it, mate, will be a catchphrase for lads around the world until the end of time. What about everyone else? Well, now, here for the hypocrisy is, for me, my... I think... Weirdly, I don't think I've got guilty pleasures because I don't care enough about other people's opinions to actually worry that I shouldn't be watching this sort of thing, if you see what I mean. If someone ever said, why are you watching? I say, well, I'm entertained by it. Whatever. And when people say what I've basically said, that I respond the same way Kimbo did, which is essentially, I enjoy it, it's for me. Shut up. But yeah, I think... Because I, I I do really, as I said before, I do really love Bake Off. I mean, properly love Bake Off. I get properly, I do get properly excited when the new series are coming. You know, when when you find out the new series, and me and the missus do properly get into it. We've got opinions on all the people there and the reasons that the um, judges are wrong and so on. Properly get into Bake Off, but in terms of um. Guilty pleasures? I actually genuinely don't know. Something I wouldn't. I'm trying to think something I'd actually be mildly embarrassed if you found out I liked it. Because I genuinely don't know. I mean. Ah, yes, no, I do. Oh dear. Uh, this is going to be embarrassing, but. Have you ever heard of the TV show called Botched? It's on. E or entertainment. It's a show about um, two doctors, uh, plastic surgeons, Dr. Debro and Dr. Nassif, and they f- fix um, dodgy plastic surgery. Someone went, you know, someone went for a nose job. The surgeon didn't care enough, and the, the nose is now half a foot to the left, sort of thing. That sort of thing. And for every episode, they they have two the the format is they have two real cases you know someone's someone's titties on their back or someone's um no uh, someone's you know lip injections exploded you know two proper ones where you actually need surgery to fix something that's wrong and then they always have that one person to highlight the dangers of um excessive plastic surgery you know someone who's 90% plastic says i need the other 10% removed sort of person there's nothing wrong with the surgeries they've had. They're just pointing, you know, and they follow them around a little bit. And sh- But that's my only guilty pleasure. If you if it's one of those ones, if I was sat there watching it and like one of you lot walked in or some of my other friends walked in, I'd actually turn it off quickly. I was like, no, I wasn't watching that. That then is my guilty pleasure. But do go watch Botched because it, it, they actually show you them doing the surgery as well. So I think it's a bit of my... Uh, sort of love of that kind of love of the macabre because i love watching surgeries happen they actually show you them fixing it and but then it is on e so they do a lot of that sort of entertainment more sort of reality based stuff so but yeah that's me i do like quite like watching botched um 
for me, it, there was one like, got two proper guilty pleasures. One is like a very specific show. One is a very specific TV network. <laughs> um, there was a point where I had to basically stop watching TV casually when I was at uni. Because if I put on the TV when I was getting ready, I wouldn't get into the studio until like four in the afternoon because I'd have just spent the entire day watching the Food Network. Like if I put the Food Network on, I'm fucked. I lose entire days. I will watch the same episode four times in a row because that's what the Food Network does. It replays the same fucking scheduled episodes over the course of the day. It just loops it back around and plays it again. And I now know how to cook some things, but not a lot. Like, I've not learned much from the Food Network. I just like watching sassy chefs being sassy. I like watching people eat from, like, dive diners and man versus food. And But there was, a like, really cute little um, lady chef. I can't remember what, she, what her name is now. But she got me into kind of Korean and Asian cookery as she introduced me to kimchi. Food Network, complete game changer. Like it, it just destroyed days of my week completely. And I, there was no real benefit from it. So it was like a real good, like I'd, my, like my ex, when I was still with him, like he'd come in and I'd be like, oh, and the TV was off because I just didn't want to have, like he'd say, oh, how was your day? And the answer I gave would be, oh, yeah, it was really good. I did X, Y, and Z. But the true answer was I have vegetated in front of the TV for 12 hours watching the Food Network, which is not good. And I'd, I'd actively hide the sheer amount of time I spent watching the Food Network. So I feel that that very much constitutes as a guilty pleasure because I fully enjoyed it, but I felt very ashamed of how much time I spent watching it. Um, and the other... I don't know, like, Kimbo, I'm not even sure if you'll even remember seeing this ever. I think this is pre-you. Sunset Beach. Sunset Beach was an American drama on Channel 5. I'm thinking late 90s, early 2000s. You can't even find the full fucking series on dodgy websites. Like, it just doesn't exist in full anywhere. You can get, like, episodes one through nine of season one and then 24 to 31 and then, like, fucking nothing. But it was just the most... You know, like, in Friends, Joey, Joey's in a TV, like, a drama and he's Dr. Drake Ramore and it's this, like, really campy, overhammed... De- Sunset Beach is what it's taking the piss out of, basically, just without the... There was less medical shit. Um, But one of the genuine storylines in Sunset Beach was um, a mother was having an affair with her daughter's boyfriend. Her daughter got pregnant by Cole, dashing Cole. And the mother's response to this was to help stage, like, her daughter driving off a cliff in her car. She took her daughter to like a nunnery and she was in a coma and they delivered the baby and the mother went home with the baby and she disappeared for a while. So she came back and she pretended it was hers and she got pregnant with Cole's baby and the daughter was left in this nunnery and she like got amnesia because she'd been in a coma. 
there was a firefighter that had an evil twin brother. It was just, yeah, it was fucking mental. It was absolute garbage. Total fucking garbage. But it was the kind of shit where you're like, what the fuck is this? And then you're like, I'm just going to watch five more minutes because I really want to know how this shit's going to pan out. Because it was that fucking awful. You couldn't look away. It was like, it was like when you're on a road and there's a really, really bad car crash and you can't help but kind of like strain your neck to see what damage has been done to the car. That's Sunset Beach. It is the ultimate guilty pleasure because it's fucking trash. I'm never going to be able to look at you the same way. I'm tempted to kick you off the podcast for right now. Hey, guilty pleasure. Oh, guilty. Oh, I, don't, I don't feel good about it. I'm ashamed. I don't feel good about it. But I was honest and I stayed on spec. Oh, yeah. I was also going to say, hold off, Mr. X Factor Man. Little Mix are the best girl band of the 21st century. Bite me. I'm just utterly fucking speechless at all of that. Like, uh, yeah. Did you not know that about your wife? <laughs> no. Wow. Um, I'm somewhat like stumped to figure out like what I would have as a guilty pleasure because I don't really watch. I, I I generally just watch shit that all people expect me to watch, apart from the odd Kukri show. Although Everything. I think my wife might disagree. Everything you the watch. History network. Yeah. The whole History Network should just be your guilty pleasure. You should be ashamed of everything you actively Aliens. I'm, I'm proud of everything I watch. I'm actually more ashamed that I watch Kukri shows than I am and watch I watch Ancient Aliens. You I mean, have a good problem. <laughs> I love Ancient Aliens, Monster Quest. As I've said before in the podcast, like all that sort of stuff, I find fascinating. What I think for me is a guilty pleasure is somebody feed Phil. What on earth is that? The guy who That's wrote. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't put on paper that I'd watch it, would you? If you knew everything that I watched, which, as I've said, you wouldn't think I watched somebody feed Phil. Yeah, but I don't think you fully understood what a guilty pleasure is. Wait, wait, wait. Explain, please. talking then. (laughs) Okay, so somebody feed Phil is the creator of Everyone Loves Raymond. And he goes around the world eating all the food. No, oh. like literally everything, and it's on Netflix. It just basically it goes him around the world eating food, not how it's made, not like how to cook it or anything. It's just like, oh, this is really nice. This place does good pizza. So basically, the, your average sort of drivers diving and di- diners and dives, or um, you've got a tier or something. So yeah, your basic your basic food network. Guy yeah. goes into nice rest. Guy goes into quirky it's restaurant. Some, it's it's the guy. It's Phil Rock mm. Rosenthal. Right. So let me get this straight. You think a guilty pleasure is something that's sort of average? Well, for me, yeah. I'm I'm more intrigued by everyone else knows I watch all like all the ancient alien shit on paper. Not so much somebody feed Phil. So if if basically 
we've all said stuff that if someone walked in and saw us watching it, we'd be embarrassed and we'd go, oh, crap, or try and hide it, you know. Um, Nat had one of the worst soaps that's ever existed. Kimbo's got X Factor. I've got the Entertainment Network doing crappy, um, you know, plastic surgery. And you, all of us would go, oh, shit, no, we weren't watching that. You think a bloke eating some food is on that level, right? I'd put Ancient Aliens on if you walked in. <laughs> oh, God. This is my life. <laughs> but yeah, you chose people, this. I don't think people would be that shocked because you're married to a massive foodie. Like, yeah, but I introduced Nat to this show. Well, if you opened with that, people might be a bit more shocked. Yeah. Seeing your diet before Nat was cheese. This is the show I watch if I want something to eat. If I'm not hungry, I'll put it on and I'm hungry. I don't understand this not being hungry business. When, who's not, when are you not? What, what's yeah. not hungry? Right, so I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have a cup of tea or a black coffee. And I'm fine then until at five o'clock in the afternoon. No, back up. You wake up. You have, a, you, have, you have a drink. Okay, I'm, uh, you have a, a coffee or a tea. I get that. It, where, where does the food come in? Well, I'm forced a cup of tea or coffee, so I'm fine then until five o'clock. Ha- I, I legitimately have to ask them several times during the day, have you eaten? And then demand he has to eat. He wouldn't eat if I didn't tell him to eat. How can you forget to eat? How are you not I don't forget about food? I don't forget to eat. I just I'm never hungry. How? Just just before this turns into a uh, an intervention for Strawn and his previous dietary requirements pre wedding. I can I, can we just stop and move move on to something else? Yeah. Snip snip snip. Edity edity edity. Uh, I believe that you ruined guilty pleasures. <laughs> You've totally ruined guilty pleasures. You've got that so backwards. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. So that that's it now. So it's... I understand his logic. Like his logic is, he's a freak of nature. So what normal people like, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but. Like, you all know that I'm obsessed with aliens and monsters and all that sort of weird shit. What you wouldn't expect to watch is some guy going like, oh, here's a lovely, nice fucking cooked venison. Actually, I'll give you, yeah, you don't eat. So watching someone else eat food and describe it, yeah, is a bit yeah, beyond. So I, I watch somebody feed Phil where he'll eat, like, fucking venison that's hand-raised on the farm that he's eating at. I'll eat a tin of Spam. This is also the thing then back onto the inter- back onto the intervention if you're watching people eat lovely things and you're going that looks lovely how does your brain not connect the dots it just makes me hungry okay yeah so we've all now discussed our, our guilty pleasures some of us don't actually understand what a guilty pleasure actually is but we'll get past that but yeah so that's that's been our jaunt through our world of TV and 
the, the the sort of the things we like, the things we don't like, and the things we're very very passionate about that have probably made people's ears bleed because they didn't want to hear as long a discussion of on it as as we've given them. But is there anything else you think we've missed? Any TV that you personally liked? Anything um, you feel we should have discussed more, or even just give us the fa- your favourite quotes from the ones we've met um, we've discussed here? By all means, do get in contact with us. We've got the email. Um, oh, God, I sounded so old. We've got the email. We've got an email address, trainpopculture at gmail.com. We're, of course, on all the usuals. We've got Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr under trainpopculture. We're under Twitter as culture underscore train. And, yeah, I think we've had a, a good discussion about TV, had a, a good laugh, and some intriguing revelations that we will discuss later maelstrom but on that skull gross slangy bar orange soda 